Hello and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning and welcome once again to The Journey. I want to start off with a question for you this morning, all right? How many of you have ever had a flight that's been delayed or a subway train that's been stalled out or you've just been stuck in some good old New York City traffic? Anybody there in the chat, go ahead and put a thumbs up, put a hands raised, put a face palm if that was you, stuck in traffic, flight that was delayed, any time in a while that that's happened, right? A few years ago, this happened to me. In fact, I went on a trip to Atlanta to help train future church planners here in our city and all over the country. And I got to say, it was a great trip. I had some friends, ate at Waffle House. Waffle House was amazing country fried food from heaven. It was a good break. And it was literally just before the Easter season, which is crazy time for most church planners. Now, Danielle's mom had come down from Maine to help watch the kids. And so she had offered to watch the kids on the day that I got back so that Danielle and I could have a date night. Amen. Power to mom-in-law, right? Thank you. And so the morning I was to fly home, I turned on the radio and news reports saying that it's going to be a stormy and gloomy day for Atlanta. And sure enough, after he says those words, I hear thunder, right? The heavens begin to open up and it begins to pour all day long. My flight, which was scheduled to leave Atlanta at 3 p.m., was now delayed to 6 p.m. So I thought, okay, that's unfortunate, but I'm still going to get home in a decent time. We could still have our free date night, right? Then I get to the airport, and the flight is delayed even longer because another thunderstorm has just rolled in. So now it's not 6 p.m., now it's 8 p.m., right? A couple hours later, we finally board the plane and everyone gets in and you know how the boarding process takes. It takes forever, right? So finally, we're sitting in our seats and as we're on the runway, we're in line to leave. You guessed it. Another thunderstorm rolls in and delays the plane. So an hour after that, we finally take off and I get home at midnight. No date night, just straight to bed, back to work the next day. (laughs) Now, isn't being delayed the worst? I mean, whether it's waiting in an airport for hours until your flight takes off or being stuck in a tunnel in Penn Station because you made the poor decision of riding New Jersey Transit or driving down the Van Wick where construction is an endless game on that route, let's be honest, we all hate detours and being delayed. But one of the things that I've learned is that life is full of delays and detours. I mean, am I right? I mean, for example, you've worked hard for your company and then suddenly you're let go. But now you've been without a job for a year and nothing seems to be opening up. Or maybe years ago, your marriage was solid, right? Friends would come up to you asking how to have a thriving marriage like yours, but then something happened. She left you for someone else and you're well past the age of dating and putting yourself out there. Or maybe this, someone you love is sick and you're taking care of them. And you've been watching the toll this sickness is taking on them and how it's been affecting you. What do you do when it feels like there's nothing you can do? What do you do when you get put on hold, when you feel like life is just one big detour? Well, today, as we're in the middle of this summer playlist series, I want to talk to you about a particularly what I'm going to call vexing season of life that we all go through. 
And I believe sometimes some of us, we go through it more than others. I want to talk not about being delayed, not about detours, but I want to talk about a symptom that comes from delays and detours, and it's doubt. I want to talk about the season of doubt. You see, doubt is a season that comes into everyone's life at some point. In fact, even the most faithful Christians, right? Even Jesus' longest disciples, they struggled with doubt. Even some of the greatest characters you read about in the Bible, they dealt and they had a bout with doubt. In fact, one story we read in the Bible after Jesus' resurrection, we read that the disciples were hiding together in Jerusalem. They weren't really sure what was going on, right? They had seen the miracles. Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen. He told them, I'm going to rise from the dead. They saw the stone rolled away and that the body was missing. And even still, right, they doubted. They saw Jesus in flesh and they still doubted. Luke 24, Jesus appears to them and he challenges them in their doubt. Luke 24, verse 38, in your notes, here's what he says. He says, why are you frightened? He asked, why are your hearts filled with doubt. You see, the disciples, they were afraid. They were uncertain. They weren't sure what life was going to hold, and it caused them to doubt. Now, look, maybe right now for you, doubt has been creeping in your mind. Maybe if you've been honest, you've been questioning your faith. You just say, man, we're, we're about a year and a half in this pandemic, and your world has been turned upside down. You're uncertain of what's the future holds. You're afraid of what's next. And maybe in the back of your mind, you're even beginning to doubt that maybe God is not in control. Maybe God doesn't care. Maybe you're beginning to doubt that he doesn't have a good future for your life. You see, the doubting season can become tough. And so what I want to do is I want to begin by defining what is the doubting season. Now, from time to time in this summer playlist series, we're defining what these seasons are. And so in your notes, here's what the doubting season is is, all right? It says the doubting season is a period of questioning or distancing from God, right? Maybe your question is existence. Maybe you're questioning God's goodness or whether he's actually going to fulfill his promises. Maybe you're questioning whether or not God cares about you. And that doubt, when it grabs a hold of your heart, what it does is it creates a distance, a division between you and God. Where maybe you don't feel his presence as much. You don't hear his voice as often. And in turn, doubt leads to distance, which then creates more doubt and more distance. You see, doubt is a very real season of life we all deal with. But if you don't deal with your doubts, they can grow into something bigger and something that is debilitating. Because the more you pay attention to doubt, the less you're going to see God. The more you focus on doubt, the more out of focus God becomes. Your doubt doesn't diminish God, but it can definitely and absolutely distort your view. Now, fortunately, the book of Psalms talks about this. In fact, it's one of my favorite things when I read the book of Psalms is I see real people, heroes of our faith. David, Solomon wrote a psalm. Moses wrote a psalm. Some heroes in our faith wrestle with doubt. And in it, we find strength for our doubting season. Look at your notes, Psalm 94, verse 19. It says, when doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now, that's what I hope today does for you. I mean, if doubts are filling your mind, I hope that the scriptures, the Psalms will give you that comfort and that hope that you need for this season. 
Now look, maybe you're here today and you're, you're not in a season of doubt. You're like, Pastor, I'm good. Amen. God is so good. I love that song. You are good all the time, all the time. I never doubt, right? But what I do know and what we've learned in this pandemic is that Monday life could be great and Friday the world could be turned upside down. And so I believe this is a message that every single believer needs. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm chapter 13. And from this chapter, I want to show you how you can experience God's strength for your doubting season. Let's look at number one. The first step we've got to take is you've got to affirm that God is with me during my doubting season. Affirm that God is with me during my doubting season. Now, one of the primary things that doubt does, and this is how the devil uses doubt to manipulate our thoughts and our feelings, is doubt will make you question God. Right? You begin to question God's presence. God, are you there? God, I don't feel you. God, do you even care? And see, doubt can cause you to see God as distant and uninvolved. You might say, yeah, God is real, but maybe God doesn't care about me. Right? Maybe he's taking care of bigger things and he's uninterested in my life and what I'm going through. But see, what we can learn from Psalms is that God is omnipresent. Now, what that means is that he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. God is always there with us, right? And he never stops caring for you, even when you're facing the darkest of seasons and feeling doubt in your heart. Look at our next verse here, David speaking. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride by the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Now, I love this passage because it reminds us there is nowhere you can go where God isn't there. He never takes his eye off of you and the doubts that you have, even though you wonder where is God, it doesn't change God's love for you, his belief in you, and the plans that he has for you. Sometimes we beat ourselves up over it. And sometimes we think that doubt makes us a bad Christian, right? That that all of a sudden our faith is weak because if we had strong faith, we wouldn't doubt. But I want to just be crystal clear here. In fact, pay attention for a moment. Our doubt is not a sin. Doubt can be caused by sin, but doubt is not a sin. And if we wallow in a season of doubt without taking these steps, sometimes doubt can be harmful and lead to sin, That's why we have to deal with it. But understand, spiritual doubt has always been a part of the Christian faith. I mean, just think about all the heroes of the faith who wrestled with big doubts. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they doubted that God would give them a child in their old age. Moses doubted that God could use him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Peter doubted that he could walk on the water. Thomas literally doubted that Jesus was alive as Jesus was face-to-face with him, right? And if those giants of the faith could have doubt and recover, so can you. In fact, the next words from Psalm 13 are from David as he goes through a tough season of doubt in his own life. Let's look at what David says here in your notes. He says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? And he says, turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes. 
I like that phrase there, a little weird, right? The sparkle in my eyes, right? But, but it's this idea that if anyone can pull you out of depression, out of anguish, out of just spiraling in doubt and uncertainty, God is the one that can renew your passion and excitement for your faith. And maybe that's what you need to pray today. You know, maybe you feel like, man, pastor, my, my doubt has crept in these past few months and I, I feel like I don't feel God anymore. Pray for God in a weird way to, to re, return the sparkle in your eye, to, to awaken the first love that you had for him pre-pandemic, right? So to experience God's strength, you got to affirm that God is always with you, even in your doubt. Number two in your notes, second thing you've got to do is you've got to attain new insight during the doubting season. I've got to attain new insight during the doubting season. Now, two big sources of spiritual doubt that often work together are negative experiences and incomplete beliefs about God, right? Negative experiences, incomplete beliefs. Sometimes there's a negative experience, right? You get sick, you see a senseless killing on the news, you see a tragic thing like we saw a month ago, right? Where people in their sleep died because a a building went down. You see a senseless thing happen and doubt begins to rise. How could God allow this to happen, right? And I've seen this all the time, right? Sometimes it could be in your life, right? A roommate, not a Christian. And they begin to attack your faith and throw questions at you. And now you can't answer because you've got an incomplete belief about God. Or maybe your friend gives you a book with a new philosophy that's opposite of Christianity and you read it and you just don't have the knowledge that's necessary to respond. You see, those instances can cause doubt, right? Negative experiences and incomplete views of God. But see, that's why in the kind of doubt that comes from an intellectual challenge could actually become a good thing. And let me explain why in in this light, right? So why is it, Pastor, that you're saying if I don't have a full view of God, that's actually a good thing? Well, the reason why is because doubt helps you identify what your gaps are in your theology about God. For example, when you doubt, it's not a reason to quit your faith and say, I don't have answers, so I'm giving up. No, it's a challenge to get serious about your faith and say, I've got a gap in my understanding about God. I've got to get new insight and grow in wisdom. So when you face doubt, don't see it as an obstacle, but see it as an opportunity to learn more about our God and to grow in wisdom. And as you do, What you're going to see is that God actually brings you out of your doubting season stronger than before you went in it. So look, don't be afraid of challenges to your faith. Trust me, God is big enough to handle the hard questions. In fact, the Bible has been through 2,000 plus years of challenges and it has come through unscathed. You can trust the wisdom that you read in God's word. Psalm 193 or 139, I'm sorry, it says this, verses 5 and 6. It says, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So you're going to use your season of doubt to get rid of any incomplete gaps about God or incomplete beliefs, and you're going to learn to fill them. Look, maybe you're watching and you say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm doubting the validity of the Bible, right? I'm afraid that what if I can't trust the Bible? Look, my response is, have you researched it? I mean, have you studied it? Because I can confidently say I have, right? For the last 16 years of my adult life and in my graduate studies, I'm telling you, if you study God's word, really get in it, really get deep in God's word, 
you're going to see your doubts fade and your faith increase. Well, maybe you might say, well, pastor, I doubt that God might forgive me, right? You don't know what I've done. God does. I've messed up in my life. And maybe that's your gap. But again, I would ask you, have you done the research? Have you read about what God says about forgiveness? Because when you read God's word about forgiveness, his promises say that he stands ready to forgive you right now of everything you've done in your past. So maybe you say, well, you know, pastor, I've messed up. I've got doubts and I still have my salvation. Really? I mean, because again, in God's word, I can guarantee you that you are in God's hands. The Bible says clearly that nothing can take you out of God's hands. You are saved by grace through faith, not by your works. So if there's nothing you did to earn your salvation, there's nothing you can do to lose it or disearn your salvation or unearn. That's probably the more correct word. But it's called eternal security. And we see it based in the Bible. In fact, this next verse I want to pull out to you explains why it's so important for us to get new insight during the season of doubt. Look at what it says here in James. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. You see James here, he's not saying that if you doubt, you're done. No, he's pointing out the danger if you wallow in those doubts. If you remain in those doubts, you are dangerous in your faith because you're unstable in all that you do. So listen, when you face the season of doubt, God wants you to attain new insight, to grow spiritually and intellectually. In fact, the things that made you doubt 10 years ago shouldn't make you doubt today because you've got new insight and you've grown stronger in your faith. Let's look at number three in your notes. The third step and the third action we've got to do is you've got to act on what I know is right during the doubting season. I've got to act on what I know is right during the doubting season. Now at this last point, we talked a lot about our intellect, right? Attain new knowledge when we grow in our faith. Here, what I want to talk about is an ethical one, all right? Yes, a lack of insight could lead to a season of doubt, but also so could sin, right? When we live outside of God's will, it causes separation between you and a holy and a perfect God. So when you don't feel God's presence, doubt is going to seep in. It's going to grab hold, and it's going to grow like a weed in your life. And let me just say I've seen this happen over and over and over again, right? I've met people, they're in a season of doubt. And so they just think, you know what? I'm already doubting God. I'm not sure if he's already real. So if I'm not sure about my faith in God, then I don't really have to do what the Bible says. And so some people, they just go off the rails with their sin, right? They just say, you know what? I'm just going to get drunk this weekend. I'm going to find someone that I like and I'm going to hook up with them. I'm going to go opposite of God's will and God's way. And they just go south fast. But in being a pastor for 16 years and in watching people's lives, I can assure you that that decision, that thought process is going to hurt you. It's not only going to extend your season of doubt, but it could also do deep damage to your faith. And so instead, as you work through your doubts, I want to encourage you to focus on doing what you know is right. Even if there's some things you're not sure about, even if you're still struggling, because I genuinely believe this, that when we look at the words of Jesus and we just take it word for word, how could you not say that the words of Jesus is actually a good thing for me to build my life on? Like maybe you struggle with Jesus being a son of God, 
Maybe you struggle with him giving up his life for you and I, dying on the cross and rising again. Look, I get that. I could see how you could struggle with that. But if you just literally take the words of Jesus and say, I'm going to live my life according to what he says, how could that not be a good way to live your life, right? So even though you doubt, still follow Jesus's words. And in fact, Paul talks about this in Galatians 6, 9. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. And here's the key part. He says, if we don't give up. So don't get tired of doing the right things and give in to sin. Let me just encourage you. Stay faithful to those spiritual habits of reading God's word and prayer. Make the commitment. Be at church online each Sunday. Attend the Zoom growth group afterwards. Spend more time reading God's word, not less. In other words, keep doing the good things you were doing before the doubting season began. And that's going to help you find the strength to pull yourself out of the doubting season. We've been looking at Psalm 13. Let me give you another verse there. Verse 5 in Psalm 13, he says, But I trust in what? In your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. You know, I love this verse because it's a reminder that God's love for you is unfailing. Remember, God loves us not because that's what he does, but that's because that's who he is. It's based on the character of God, not what we do or don't do. And so this verse is a reminder that God will rescue you from your season of doubt, which leads to our fourth and final step. How do I experience God's strength in my season of doubt? Number four is I then allow God to lift me out of the doubting season. I allow God to lift me out of the doubting season. Now, this is one of the big reasons that God is praised over and over again in Psalms, because we read chapter after chapter, psalm after psalm, that God is a God of rescue, that He loves and He specializes to lifting us out of whatever problem or spiritual funk or season of doubt that we find ourselves in. God loves to save you and me. In fact, the very next verse, Psalm 13, verse 6, He says, I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because he is good to me. God is good. And he's not only good, he's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. One reason is because he doesn't leave us in our doubt. You see, the thing about following Jesus is perfect faith is not required. Jesus never said, come follow me, those of you who have no doubts. No, he says clearly, come to me who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, including the burden of doubt. And Jesus says that if you put your faith in me, even if you just have a little bit of faith, the size of a mustard seed, I can alleviate the burdens that you're carrying today. I don't know about you, but that's an incredible exchange. God can take off the weight that I've been carrying on my shoulders, right? The pressure of trying to provide for my family, the, the pressure of trying to have all the answers, the, the pressure of trying to make it look like life is okay and that I'm okay. God says I can lay that all down and receive his peace, but it all starts with a small act and decision of faith. Now, what I want you to understand is it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the object of your faith. In other words, it's not about how big your faith is. It's about how big your God is. It's better to have a little faith in a big God than to have perfect faith in the wrong thing. So look, you will have doubts. That's human. 
We all have doubts. Every strong Christian, every hero of the faith has had doubts in one way or another. Jesus says, bring what little faith you have to God. Bring what little belief you have to God right now and trust him. You know, one of the stories I love reading about Jesus is in Mark chapter 9. It's about a father who brings his sick child, his sick son, to Jesus. And out of desperation, he's crying out for Jesus to heal him. And look at what Jesus' response is. He says, anything is possible if a person, what? If a person believes. Then look at his father's response. And I think this is where a lot of us relate today. It says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. Now at this moment, Jesus could have said, I'm sorry, not going to do it. You got to have full belief in me. Get this guy out of here. What is he talking about? He just met me. No, Jesus says anything is possible for the person who believes, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. Now let me just challenge you for a moment because I'm imagining like me, the past 18 months has been a struggle, right? That, that you've, you've struggled to adjust to this new life. You've struggled to adjust to this pandemic and you're watching death all around you. Like I remember when this pandemic first began and when I was jogging back then, I, I don't jog anymore, but I should. And I remember one time I ran past Forest Hills Hospital and saw two 18-wheeler trucks of people that had, or, or of bodies that had died in just our little community from the coronavirus. And I thought, God, man, this is such a broken and difficult season. You know, I remember watching on TV some of the racial injustices that we've been seeing, not only with the African-American community, but the Asian-American community as well. And as we look at that on TV, it's just horrifying to know that racism still exists in our country. And God, why? Why do we still see this? And all the doubt and division when it comes to politics, the division that we see in our country. And maybe like me, you've had some doubt over these years. Maybe God isn't good. Maybe God isn't real. Or maybe God's just uninvolved and doesn't really care. But I would encourage you, pray this week that same prayer that Doubting Father prayed. Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you're in that doubting season right now and you're not sure what what to do. Where is God in all this? Just pray the same prayer. God, I I believe, but but help those pockets, help those areas of unbelief right now. Jesus promises us, right? Anything is possible for the one who believes. Let's go before God and let's say, Jesus, help my unbelief. Let's pray for a moment. Jesus, we thank you for this time that we've been able to look at your word and just kind of navigate the doubting season. God, on one hand, it's comforting to know that, you know, everyone goes through a period of doubt. Everyone goes through a period where they wonder, where are you or are you good right now? But God, I pray that in the middle of that doubting season, that we could at least look back to your past, that moments of life when you were faithful to us, the moments of life when you were good to us, when we didn't deserve it, the moments of life when you offered salvation to us, when There was nothing we could do to earn it or be made right with you. God, we thank you for the lifetime of faithfulness that we've already experienced. And help us lean into that and lean into the words of Jesus that remind us that anything is possible for the one who believes. And so today, God, we bring the broken pieces of our lives, the the broken pieces of our hearts, God, and we ask you 
to help us with our unbelief. Help us to have the unshakable confidence that you are God and you are good. We surrender all this before you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.